This week's guest is Paige Henderson. Paige is currently employed as the manager at Swine and Vine in Kitchener, Ontario. We talk with Paige about her start in the industry as well as topics such as the ongoing debate about tip culture and earning a livable wage in the industry, sexual harassment, and dealing with challenging guests. Enjoy the show. Okay, we are back. Another episode of the Industry Podcast, our 25th, in fact, Dan. How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm feeling wonderful, thanks. This yeah. is great. I know. I sort of broke out the bubbly. Yeah, yeah, and said you didn't do shit. So. <laughs> Story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name's Kip. I'm the host. This is Dan. He's the producer extraordinaire. Um, another dynamite week for you? Oh, fuck yeah. I've had to work like a chump, so that always cuts into my free time, but what can you do? Pays the bills. Yourself? Oh, yeah, living the dream, living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We have a great guest, as usual, this week. We have Paige Henderson coming on shortly. Um, Get some of the housekeeping out of the way. If you like the show, then please support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Uh, And if you are in the industry and you wish to be interviewed on the show, just DM us at the Industry Podcast, and uh, we'll, we'll get the ball rolling there. Um, dip into the archives and check out uh, recent episodes. Uh, we had recently, who I don't even fucking remember who's been on the show lately. Jonathan Stanyard from That's Seattle. Right yeah. That was very interesting. He makes his own bitters, the bitter gringo. Correctly, Vi Dixie prior to that. Yes, and then we had um, Yancy Violi. Yes, we had Andrea. Oh, Grich. Thank you, because I, I was going to mangle it again. Um, <laughs> and most recently, we had... Um, Coming out uh, just prior to this episode will be Thomas Yo. Thomas Yo, yes. From Atwater Cocktail Club in Montreal. Yeah, check out Google Atwater Cocktail Club. It is... Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Um, also, a shout-out, as usual, to Zach Hanna at Zach Hanna Design for all the beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just going to throw it out there again to thank Aaron Hatchell for all the help with booking some guests from all over the U.S., some of his bartender friends. So thanks, Aaron, if you're listening. And why wouldn't you be? Uh, okay. Paige Henderson, how's it going? <clears throat> oh, can't complain. Can't complain. How are you? Well, I can complain a lot, but I'm just not going to because that's not really what this show is about. <laughs> um, so uh, let's uh, talk right away. We've, so you are currently working at uh, Swine and Vine. We had um, your boss and owner, Jill Sadler, on previously. Um, yeah. It was an excellent episode. Still one of the most downloaded ones, believe it or not. That is correct. I don't know how, hey. I don't know how that lady's getting all the downloads, but... Oh, I'm man. Assuming... <laughs> she's, a, she's a popular one, that one. Yeah, she's cleaning up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're working uh, for her at Swine and Vine, and you're currently her manager, correct? Correct, yes. And uh, how are things going at Swine and Vine now that we're all in stage three of the COVID disaster? Honestly, a lot better than I could ever have anticipated. Um, yeah, the patio, the city of Kitchener was really nice and uh, really got on letting us extend outside, which is really helpful. I don't think Waterloo got uh, got as lucky, unfortunately, but... Yeah, we've been uh, getting a lot more people than we thought, so. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And, and do you guys share that patio with, like, Kiprio's place? Kiprio? Yeah, door? yeah. They're, that also helps. They're really lovely neighbors. So they're really busy during the day, usually, uh, for breakfast and lunch. Uh, and we don't really open until dinner. So they use it in the day, and they get to use, or sorry, we use theirs at night, and they use ours during the day. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, if, if anyone locally in Kitchener-Waterloo region is listening right now, what are the hours you guys are rocking right now? 
Uh, right now we're doing Wednesday to Saturdays uh, dinner and then Saturday lunches, um, 12 to like 10. But we open at five. Uh, come after Labor Day, like a week or so after Labor Day, we're going to be doing some fun stuff. So a lot, a lot more open hours. Oh, good. For sure. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys open more often is good for everybody. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how you got in the industry. Um, cool. <laughs> you, so you had a bit of an interesting upbringing. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I don't know. The the bar scene was always kind of in my in my blood. I feel like uh, my grandmother and my aunts were bartenders. Uh, my mom wasn't a bartender, but she would always take me out to eat and stuff like that. She uh, could not cook <laughs> at yeah. all. Uh, she was also like a single working mom, so we were constantly going out. Um, it was really nice actually because she taught me a lot about like tip culture. Um, she would always t- like show me like how to tip properly, like. Even back in like the early 2000s, late 90s, she'd be doing like dropping 20%, 25%. And she'd look at me and be like, they worked for it. Like, <laughs> they yeah. are. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about tip culture. I know you had mentioned to me that you wanted, uh, that that was something you're interested in discussing. Um, the, like. The idea of not I, tipping. The, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, we, we've had a conversation before on the show about like the notion of moving to a non-tip culture where we just pay the servers more, but uh, living within the world of still being in a tip culture, talk to us a little bit about your feelings on making a living wage. How's, how, how, how is it going for us? It's a little like, I mean, I want to say that it would be easier and like better, um, but I'm honestly like so afraid of it. Um, I like the, the tips are kind of like what make you, uh, really want to be a good server like getting into the industry and then it becomes like just part of you I find at least it becomes like a prideful thing and like it's your dignity right like you want to show that you're doing a good job and like you know your shit but um sorry can, can I yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um but like when you're just getting into it I feel like that's a driver uh for people um and I know in Toronto there's a few places trying it out so I mean we'll see how that goes but I think it's a little dicey um People want to see where their money is going and uh, and they don't know like how it's being split to the staff. So I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's weird. <laughs> it's a weird idea to me. Are you guys working under a shared uh, tip arrangement at Swine and Vine? Or is yeah, it, we, you know? we tip pool. Um, luckily, we're in such a small place that that's it's really good. And I like it because then you're not, you know, I've worked at places where you try and hog the good tables. Like anytime servers mm-hmm. come in, you'd be like fucking running and like get out of my way I want that table because servers are always the best to, to serve I find um, yeah yeah they're like just so they're just so easy going yeah um, I worked at a place I won't I won't out the place but I worked at a place where I used to catch people um seating like anytime servers came in just like herding them into their section so yeah yeah which is like and so I kind of like I mean you can't do pool tip in every single scenario obviously yeah. but like I, I've really moved to the fact that tipping, tip pooling, if you're in, if we're still in the tip culture, is the way to go. A hundred percent. Because then too, like you know that every table is getting good service, and if you're like stuck talking, and I don't want to say stuck, like I love sitting and talking to my tables, but um, like if you're doing a wine service or something that just takes longer, uh, you don't want your other like ten tables to suffer because you're taken away, right? So right. then your coworkers will help you out there, and you help them, and yeah, it's just a very nice cohesive thing 
Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, actually, because uh, if you're working in a place that does, for instance, uh, serious wine service, then, yeah, like, I mean, that's part of your job there, right? Like, that's, mm-hmm. you, you want to be giving proper wine service, but you don't want to be rushing it because no one yeah. else is looking after your other tables, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You could just, like, snap the bottle off at the table, just <laughs> crash the neck off. Yeah. <laughs> gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, I, I don't want to get too far into that because uh, sneak preview, we do have a round table discussion coming up on the show in a, in a little while about uh, the move from non from the tip tip based scenario to the no tip based scenario. So we're going to save most of that discussion for that. Uh, Okay, so you started in the services industry. I'm looking. I'm just looking at through your bio here. Almost all of your jobs are service industry jobs, with the yeah. exception of uh, working in a factory for a hot minute. Um, yeah, that was not uh, not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Uh, now I know. Um, so you're saying the one thing that your mother uh, helped you with was the tip culture idea. And now yeah. you were saying uh, you were saying to me uh, before we started that she hung out with a lot of bikers. Yeah, yeah, she used to drive a Harley and uh, hang out with a lot of fun bikers. And yeah, that was just always, there's always kind of people around. um, Oh, God, I don't want to make it sound like she was like, there was people around drinking. I don't know. It was just always like a normal thing, not in a bad way, but just I think it kind of helped because when I was younger, uh, and my dad totally let me drink underage too. (laughs) Sorry, dad. Um, (laughs) But it made it not as tempting for me and like to like, break the rules I guess or like mm-hmm. overdo it when I was younger so that kind of helped for me at least and it just I started like making cocktails I was really young <laughs> like yeah. mom's like go make me an Alabama slammer done like you know just, I think that's weird. a good point though actually because like I grew up in a very highly religious um, family where we weren't allowed to have any that my parents had never had a drink they they were and so I, as a kid I just went the other way like just off the fucking rails and, right but if you let your kid like we let our stepkid drink and smoke weed every now and then and it's like I just feel like you grow up not it's like you're not like desperate to go crazy yeah because it's kind of part of your existence already right I mean kids like they want to break the rules they're testing your limits right so at least I did um, yeah. so. It makes me worry what he's actually, what rules he's actually breaking, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. What the fuck he does when he leaves the house? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> okay, so do you feel like um, then that certainly had an influence on you when you started getting into more service jobs? You kind of already had the vibe of it, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, like, for example, my, my grandpa used to, like, we were little, and he's English, um, and we'd be running all the cousins to to fight over who could pour grandpa a beer. And he would, like, test it, like, on how much head you'd get. He's like, oh, that's too much, or oh, that's too little. So I definitely knew how to pour a fucking beer. <laughs> that's for sure. uh, so that helped when I started out. But, uh, no, it was just nice. And I, I find that, like, it wasn't a weird culture for me. I, I was really um, comfortable, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So how old were you when you got your first job? You started sort of fast foodie, right? Yeah, I was 14 when I first started working. Um, started for a, t- a very small period of time at Tim Hortons. Um, it was actually, it's not there anymore, but it was on King Street. Um, kind of like where that McDonald's that just shut down was, like Kitty Corner, I guess. Okay. 
Um, but it was kind of in a dicey area near Abstract. Oh, yeah. It used um, to be that standalone in the, in the Zeke's Plaza, right? Yeah, in Zeke's Plaza. Okay, so this is kind of like almost what you would consider Midtown in between yeah, Kitchener and Waterloo. Um, exactly. For those um, who aren't from this town. Yeah. But yeah, that was, I started as a baker. Um, and then wow. they they tried to get me to do an overnight once. And I came home and told my mom that I was going to do an overnight. And she's like, you're fucking 14. No, you're not. <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. not staying in that part of the town overnight. Uh, <laughs> uh, even Harley mom has limits. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you um, can have a drink, but overnight. God overnight. Damn it. What are you, crazy? <laughs> uh, and so then and you do the McDonald's thing for a while as well. Yeah, for three years. That was actually probably, to this day, one of my favorite jobs. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, okay. I won't tell Jill that, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. Sorry, Jill. <laughs> my second favorite. <laughs> uh, okay, talk to me a little bit about that, too, because we've had people who did that job as well and like uh, on, the, on the program previously, but one thing that they brought up a lot was the structure of, yeah. uh, like of a chain like that. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that and how well, that influenced you? I remember specifically being in training, like, like you know how you at a lot of jobs you sit down and you watch those stupid, ridiculous videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember make, like, I'm going to make one of those. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good luck! I'm sure yours won't be stupid and ridiculous. I remember them telling me like oh, yeah, people will seek you out if they see McDonald's on your resume. And I was like, you guys are fucking full of shit. Like, no, they're not. And then, then like, later on in life, I specifically had multiple places be like, we weren't going to hire you, but we saw you had McDonald's on your resume. Yeah, that's funny. It's true. I, I think that way, too, when I'm hiring people. But there's also, then, there's also, like, sort of bar outposts in your little city that it's like, that like for instance, if you've got somebody with apples on their resume, people know oh, you yeah. can handle a big section or whatever. For so, sure. If uh, I yeah. see apples, I'm like, yeah, I'll hire you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so talk to me about like what you learned through the training process there and how that, uh, how you carried that forward into like your career. Um, I definitely learned a lot about like, clean, like cleanliness. Um, mm. They were sticklers for it. So that was well, always nice. Apropos these days, so right, right. Yeah. So that definitely um, I've carried through, and then just dealing with with, uh, with customers or guests, I guess, depending on where you work. But I had some really interesting, uh, interesting folks come through McDonald's. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> the drunk, drunk uh, two a.m. nights. So oh yeah, getting um, up. <laughs> just because you brought this up, uh, and we haven't really talked about it before, when. Is there a difference between a customer and a guest based on the place that you work at or, or based on the quality of the person? Or is it is that just something that changed some? Because, I mean, there was a time where it was totally cool for us to call everyone a customer. And then right. now it's like you almost have to catch yourself and say, no, no, it's not our customer, it's our guest. Like, when, right. when what, do you have any thoughts about that? How it changed? Why it changed? I think... Um I always thought that it was just like the, this is going to sound shitty, but like the classiness of the place, I guess. Mm, Um, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but 
I definitely find myself if I have a, a guest that's being a dickwad, which doesn't happen a lot, but if I do, I'll be like, that customer is a dick. It's like this weird inward degradation of the person. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I would say at fast food places, I mean, we're all customers at fast food places. Sure. Like, I'm not doing wine service or crumbing the table for you or anything like that. So. Not with that attitude, you're not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. It maybe it might just be the way the language changes over time as well. And yeah. We, we've all, I mean, the society gets more and more politically correct as we go along, and maybe being customer is not good enough anymore, and now you must be a guest. <laughs> no, <I don't>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so you, uh, then you take off and you're working at a factory for a little bit? Yeah, so I worked at Schneider's, um, which was like a meat packing plant. So maple leaf, I guess, but we called it Schneider's here. Uh, and yeah, I was on, I was on the bologna line. Oh, God. So I can't to this day eat bologna. I just started eating hot dogs, and I worked there like a decade ago. <laughs> so, do, um, do you want yeah. to share with our listeners why that is? What goes into the bologna um, line? So I was working, I wasn't on like the raw side. Um, I was on the packaging, like food processing or yeah, you just put it in a package essentially. But uh, the smell, the smell is what got me. So yeah, (laughs) which is terrible. But like for hot dogs and stuff, you would be in this massive room and it would just be so hot and like steamy, like just sickening the smell. I would come home and like smell like chemicals and bacon and yeah. Like, I, I don't eat meat and that's just that whole story was revolting yeah. let's move on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, a much nicer place you worked at was Fairmont Banff Springs um, yeah. yeah yeah talk about that a little bit so what made you decide to move out there is it the you're just young and you want to exp- everybody everything's better at west philosophy pretty much I was yeah. I went to Laurier as uh, so that was I was halfway through my second year at Laurier and I was like you know what fuck this. I don't want to go to school anymore. I was in history and, and uh, sociology at that point. And uh, I was like, I just need a, a break. So I want to go see the mountains and, you know, meet new people. And it's probably one of the best, uh, best things I could have done. Honestly, I, uh, I worked in the dish pit. Um, so like, or stewarding, I guess is what it was called. But uh, stewarding means dishwasher. It was like dishwasher and like you, you, I don't know, like you polish silverware and like, cause they'd have these big banquets, right? So there's like a ton of silver, everything. Um, but yeah, essentially like a fancy word for dishwashing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so did you live in the um, sort of residences that they have there for the- Yeah, the staff yeah. accommodation, which was yeah. actually nicer than some of my apartments, to be honest. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd walk out my back door and it would be at the base of a mountain. I could just hike up the mountain if I wanted to. It was wicked. Um, yeah, so definitely. Kind of some legendary party stories from uh, living in those residences. Do you have anything like, you want to share you with do. us? That's <laughs> <laughs> all you do. Well, because it's usually people that uh, are, if, I don't know, late teens to, you know, late 30s. So, um, and everybody who goes there, like you get a lot of Aussies and Irish and, and uh you know which they can they can drink man Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah it was a lot of partying but 
It was uh, it was nice because you meet people from around the world that you can go bunk up with if you feel like traveling later. So right, are you still in contact with any of these people? Uh, like one or two, not mm. many. <laughs> I know. It's like I I've been traveling after Stan University, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be friends with these fucking people forever. And then and that was before the time of like Facebook even. So so like yeah, yeah. it's gone. I, I mean, know. I have no excuse. I'm just yeah. antisocial you... apparently, but. <laughs> <laughs> what? You picked the right job. Right. <laughs> Um, okay, so then, uh, you, then you go to Quebec? Yeah, my mother actually moved to Quebec when I was 15, so I went, because uh, I didn't feel like coming back to Ontario yet, and got my actual first, like, restaurant, restaurant gig, I guess, so I was a hostess, um, and they made the mistake of not asking me if I knew how to speak French, so I just yeah. it, and uh, <laughs> that was always interesting. <laughs> we're, we're about to Quebec. Uh, I so I started working in Dole des Ormeaux, which is on like the West Island uh, okay. of Montreal. But more, it's primarily like English and Italian, I would say. Um, but still French, and like, I, it sounds so weird, but certain Quebecois people really don't like it if you don't speak French. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd get some people who would be really rude to me if I spoke English. But as long as I tried, they would like. Like, I learned how to say in French, don't ask me now because I, I don't remember how to say, like, I'm so sorry, I'm learning. Um, mm. Like, take your time with me kind of thing. So then they were really nice. But you definitely got dirty looks. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, what was the name of the restaurant? It was called uh, Mo's Deli and Bar. It was like a sports bar. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what do you feel like you learned from the hostessing experience that uh, helped you when you kind of moved to being more of a server, bartender, whatever? Um, definitely, like, how to rotate sections properly. I got yelled at for that the first couple of shifts. Mm. They're like, can you stop slamming my fucking section? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah. Fuck, man. Everywhere I've worked as a hostess has been the opposite. I've just been like, can you fucking sit in my section? <laughs> what did <laughs> I do? What do what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Is it a payoff situation? Or are other people right? giving you money and I'm not? I don't want to be the asshole. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so, yeah. And, 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 that, and, that, and do you find, like, it's kind of... Uh, we've had other people who've done the hosting job. I never actually did that. But the, um, it kind of gives you an idea of how to organize your time a little bit as well or how the servers sure. are organizing their time. For sure. It was really nice, actually, to, to watch the servers and, like, and they'd be like, oh, can you help me out with, like, whatever, right? Like, running yeah. a trip or something like that. And uh, and are you, like, flipping tables for them as well, shit like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a big enough place that they had bussers, but sometimes they just wouldn't have a busser on or whatever, so I'd kind of do that. I'd, mm. I'd try and do as much as possible because my goal at the time was to be a bartender. Like, I always knew that's where the money was, right? Right. I wasn't blind, so... Yeah. Um, I wanted to like learn as much as I could as quickly as I could. Kind of a crab would a place like that have a sports bar in like Quebec? Like, <laughs> just a lot of mullet head hockey fans? Or? <laughs> a lot of hockey guys, a lot yeah. of middle aged uh, or older men. Yeah. Primarily, yeah. And, what's, uh, and how old were you at this point? I was uh, 18 or 19. So let's, on a scale of 1 to 10, what was the level of sexual harassment by? That's always the weird. I had a guy actually come in um, a few times and he'd always hit on me. And then one day he heard I was leaving to come back to Ontario and he brought me a Montreal Canadiens hat. That was Ooh. fun. 
still have it to this day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but yeah. Surprised I, I didn't steal it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, lots of lots of creepy people, but unfortunately, that's just kind of the way the way it is for for ladies in this industry. And it definitely taught me how to how to handle them, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, well, talk to me a little bit about that actually, because um, you've worked in a, quite a few different kinds of. Uh, bars and restaurants um, from like student type places to where you're working at right now which is like a very nice restaurant to the sports bar whatever like talk to me can you talk to me a little bit about the differences in let's just talk about sexual harassment in general from sure. guests and co-workers <clears throat> does it I'm sure you experience it at all types of places, but... Oh, yeah, at every it, single one. <laughs> is, is there a different sort of vibe to it at different places? I don't know if I'm saying this right, but, like, do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, there, there's, like, a different level of, like, shittiness, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Best way. Um, surpri- I don't want to say surprisingly. I never actually received any harassment from coworkers, which is really awesome. Uh, I always happen to luck out and get, like, wicked cool people to work with. Um, but yeah, like I remember working, I worked at Fox and the Fiddle for a little bit when I went to, uh, Conestoga. And Fox and the Fiddle, to describe that place? It was like a student bar. So they would, um, they would have lineups around the block, like almost every night. It would just always be these like kids from, from all the universities and colleges around. And, uh, it was notoriously (laughs) just, they're closed down now, so I don't feel so bad, but yeah. it, it was notoriously, like, disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, the bathrooms, like, you'd be lucky if you went into the bathroom and it worked. Like, right. it's just awful. And this is Uptown Waterloo. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, close to Ethel's, um, yes. kind of, but, yeah. Yeah, that one was interesting. I full-on had um, somebody... So, like, you'd have to go... I wasn't lucky enough to... Well, I didn't have the experience, so I understand why I didn't bartend there. But uh, I served, which you made shit money because it's students who give you a couple nickels if you're lucky. And uh, I'd be going around trying to get people to, like, order drinks for me. And then you have to walk through the dance floor, which was always packed, <laughs> to get to the bar. Oh, and then try and get through with a tray full of drinks. <laughs> so I'd always have to put my hand up and, like, use my other hand to clear the way. Right. And uh, more often than not, I would get my ass grabbed or, like, my oh, boobs grabbed. God. And I would look. Or, like, people would try and take the drinks off my tray. And I, a few times I looked up at the guy that did it or, like, the guy who, like, grabbed me. And I looked down because, like, they didn't have a um, uniform, right? So I think they thought that I was just a patron. Uh, And I looked down at my serving belt and I looked back up at them. And almost every single time they were wide-eyed and just, like, in shock. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, you motherfucker, you're going to do that to somebody else that didn't work here? Like, get the fuck out of here. And I get them kicked out. And it was the joy of my night. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's crazy. Um, um, The... So, uh, but I, I kind of want to touch on this, and I'm just not sure exactly how to, to get at it, but like, okay, so what, let me see if I, how I can frame this. What if, um, what, what is the difference in like, this, this sounds so ridiculous, the <laughs> style of sexual harassment you would get at a place like that, or at a place like uh, the sports bar, or at a place like the nice restaurant like you're working in the Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I feel like the, the sports bars or at like the student bars, uh, it would be a lot of physical stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. at nicer places, it's a lot of like verbal 
like they're not quite as like ballsy i would say as right. to like actually touch you but they'll like comment a lot oh, not wow. a lot i don't get it too much but once in a while i'm just like holy fuck that's still happening <laughs> it's really crazy and especially in today's society like how is it possible that people don't know that that's not how to talk to anyone anymore i know I'm or like, never or never should have been a way to talk to somebody you know right like i mean it's i don't know i have no idea like who raised you i don't know <laughs> yeah uh, so, okay, so you're saying it's a little bit more physical. Uh, you probably have people, is there a difference, like, uh, at the place you're working now, it's a nicer spot, the, mm-hmm. the bill sizes are, or the bill prices are higher, um, mm-hmm. so you get probably a slightly wealthier clientele. Uh, talk yeah. to me about the type of sexual harassment you get from, like, a wealthy person as opposed to somebody who's just looking for cheap drinks. Um, honestly, normally it's just like weird comments. Like I had one guy comment on my lips the other day. Like it's not anything too, like too bad, but it's just like that, that weird creepy factor where you're like, Mm -hmm. I know you're toeing the line a little bit. Um, but like, like testing the waters, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Just like something framed as a compliment almost, but yeah. Yeah. Like, I had this one guy talk to me about my legs the other day. Like, oh, you have really nice legs. Or, oh, I really like coming in here because the girls always are so, like, nice looking. Or that's definitely not. Or so sexy. It's just like, ugh. Like, come on, dude. I'm trying to work. Like, fuck off. How about um, the charcuterie boards? That's They're pretty sexy. Right? Like, <laughs> that's the thing you should be coming in to stare yeah. at, man. Yeah. But, no, yeah. I mean, like, anywhere... Um, Kitchener Waterloo, I find, has uh, a populace that has some mental health problems. So I find that's more so what I get um, at the nicer places is like people with mental health problems coming in and then saying weird shit to me. But that's kind of a, a beast of its own, right? Because I, I'm not as, I, I'm not as hard on, on somebody who's like suffering from that because I know, sure. you know, right? Like if you're, if you're like you got your shit together, then like you should know better, essentially. I fuck, man. I, it's almost like a form of a mental health issue anyway, even for the yeah. people who seem to have their shit together. You know what I mean? That's like, true, if, if you think it's appropriate to say, I like coming here because I like to stare at your legs, then yeah. I almost think you have a mental health issue or <laughs> of some sort. We you just, to yourself. I mean, I have nightmares. <laughs> yeah, we just haven't, we haven't defined that ver- what that version of mental health issue is yet. But yeah. It clearly yeah. is one. Yeah. It's just not, and it's not so overt, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe douchebaggery is a form of mental health issue. Uh, it is on my license. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but at least you can show that when you. Yes, do it. that's correct. <laughs> right off the bat, you here we go. So we have like a little business card, like uh, Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker. It says that you have an issue that you're just a douchebag. That's right. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. The, okay. Well, that's interesting though, because I've just I've always been like. I mean, anybody who works in the service industry deals with sexual harassment at some level, whether you're male or female. Quite obviously, it's like 90% more of an issue to 10% of an issue female to male. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because of the douchebag mental health issue. But it's interesting (laughs) to think about how how the type or style of it varies from based on the place that you work at, you know? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's weird. I don't know if it's just people that go to like, not to say lower, like lower brow, but like 
I don't know, like sports bars or, or like you said, where the bills are lower. I just feel like for some reason, people think that they are allowed to act that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really understand why, but it seems to be part of the culture. I mean, it, I find it's phasing out for sure. I definitely got it a lot more a decade ago than now, but it's just odd. I mean, it's all awful, but I don't know what's worse, the overt, like, just sleazy or, like, the mm. sort of subtle creepy. Like, it's yeah. like it's all know. bad, right? Like, yeah, just, none of it's good. <laughs> it's amazing that people think that just because you have to come to their table and talk to them that you might be sexually interested in them. I <laughs> well, know. <laughs> well, as long like, as we have bars like know? Hooters, it's going to keep on going. Yeah, oh, that's true, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, uh, we, well, we can move on from this. I think we've, I think, I think we've dissected the shit out of that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, at, 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 at what point here are you like, okay, this might be what I want to do, or have you even reached that point yet? You're pretty young. I'm honestly, I, I go back and forth. Um, I find that I've, I've always been, like, flippant on which path I want to go down Mm. um mind you I really like it because I find it gives me freedom in in a lot of ways uh hours and stuff like that um but I I don't know I was going to Laurier and uh Conestoga and stuff and just started doing it to to make ends meet and uh realized sorry what did you take at Conestoga uh energy systems engineering technology what the? So, I don't even, a, you, just, you said a lot of words, and I don't know what <laughs> any of them mean. It's so. pretty much just like electrical and, and mechanics, and like um, I wanted to figure out how to make uh, efficient energy. Um, oh, yeah. That's cool. so, and so like, what? And so stuff. that seems like a big jump from like history to. That's what I mean. I'm flipping. I can't decide what the fuck I want to do. Mm. So I just keep jumping. I'm the exact opposite. I know exactly what I'm going to do the second I get up to the time I go to sleep. It's really disgusting. Really? <laughs> that's what I crave. I uh, yeah. Uh, see, and I, I that's the thing. We everybody the grass is always greener. But right? <laughs> I would rather be more your way. But um, okay, so. So you still ha- and you f- did you complete the- did you complete your degree at Waterloo? I never finished. I went to school three different times and I never mm. <laughs> finished one. Well, it sounds um, like if okay, so but you didn't complete the one at Conestoga either. No, no, okay. I got two years into a three-year program and dropped. Sure, it. but is that something that you're still interested in, or? Well, I liked um, the mechanical side of it. Um, and like magnetics always interested me, uh, but not, it was really electrical driven and I just had no want to learn about electrical. No. <laughs> uh, so I think that's what kind of threw me off of it, but. Eh. Right. But yeah. so uh, getting back to what you're talking about, like you're still in the notion right now where you're like, you're liking what you're doing. You're liking serving. You're liking being in the industry. Um, but you're not sure 100% yet that that's the path you want to take for the rest of your life. How old are you? I just turned 29. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you got lots of time to figure it out. But I mean, some yeah. people, by the time I was 29, I had already figured it out. So I don't, mm-hmm. uh, like, that, that this is what I was going to do, mostly because I'm not really fucking qualified to do anything else. But um, you clearly are, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I never uh, finished, though. Well, yeah, but you've, you've, got, you've got the knowledge base, at least. Thank so. you. And you can always go back, right? So, That's true. Uh, at, at least at this point, you're focused on doing this, right? Is, yeah, yeah. Is there, um, was there a time, um, like, what, uh, at which spot that you worked at where you were like, okay, this is a possible career choice? Honestly, Taco Farm. 
Okay, um, let's talk about Taco Pump. Yeah, I worked there, God, I think I got a job there when I was 22 um, to 25. Um, and just working for Nick and Nat, like they're really good. Uh, I mean, they're Nick and Nat Benninger own Taco Farm. Um, and Nick and Nat's Uptown 21 and Marbles and a bunch yeah, so of stuff. Uh, this like is a, a Fast Sparrow now. group. We've uh, talked to a few people who have worked for them before. You can check that out in the archives. Chris Kim is one. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's an there's are there others as well, but I can't. I'm starting to get a little loaded, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is why you gotta go back and listen to the archives, subscribe, rate, and review because there's great conversations with people who used to work at Fast Power, and Dan and I can't fucking yeah, remember who they are yeah, anymore. I can't make. Yeah, I'm already. I can't make conversation already. I'm All right. Well, <laughs> it's uh, possible that you couldn't in the first place. Yeah. The, <laughs> uh, so Nick and Nat, though, they're pretty famous uh, for opening restaurants in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have worked for them and with them and have learned a lot from them. So talk to us about uh, them and working there. Yeah, it was uh, it was really nice. Um, Taco Farm was always geared, uh, like, on the bar side towards tequila, uh, which I love. Um, so that was just, like, a match made in heaven. Uh, it was really nice because they focused a lot on like expanding their employees' knowledge, um, which was awesome. So I think that's how, why how, I like that. Sorry, I, sorry, sometimes I just uh, interrupt my okay. so I can expand on something. But talk to me about how they educated you on like that stuff. How, how like like literally the nuts and bolts of how they did it. Like for instance, at my bar, I try and do like pre-work tastings is that something they did or yeah so they would every uh, couple of months I don't really remember how frequent it was now looking back but like it, it was quite frequent they'd bring you in uh for like a staff meeting and you'd do like tequila tastings or then too they also used to do tequila schools um which was like a ticketed event that they'd you know sell to the public and then uh, so obviously before that, you're, they're going to teach their staff about those particular tequilas. Um, a lot of producers uh, came in too, which was nice. So then you'd get to like learn all about like the process of how you even make tequila and like mm -hmm. what's different and like what the tasting notes are. And I think that's when I started to realize there was like a, an actual future um, for me in this because like there's just... I always like to learn. Like, if I'm not mm. constantly learning, then I'm bored and I want to leave. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And that was the first place that I st I learned how to even do bar prep and, like, you know, make a cocktail and just stuff like that. So it's kind of like a, a very close to my heart kind of place, for sure. And do you... Is this where your flavor profile starts to develop your palate so you can, like... you? So now I know, I know you make cocktails now. Um, mm -hmm. So is this where that started to develop oh for sure and i i think too they also had a lot of really good bartenders that worked for them um so that i'd be seeing that when i was serving right and i'd be like oh cool what are you making there and like can i taste it and like oh you're saving this like hibiscus that you made into tequila now you're drying it out and sugaring it for garnish and like you know just all these different ways of like using multiple things to make a myriad of cool shit to you know uh, it was just really interesting the experimentation that they would do. Mm -hmm. And uh, it sounds like you were lucky enough to not have like asshole bartenders who kind of judged you for not knowing the shit already. No, no, for the most yeah. part. I mean, you're always going to find some prick who thinks that just because you haven't learned how to make a Manhattan yet, you're a piece of shit. So <laughs> right. I've, I've definitely run into people like that. Um, mm. But for the most part, everybody that I've met in the industry as a whole um, is more so 
like, oh, you don't know this? Let me show you, mm-hmm. you know, not like, oh, like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned that because, like, my wife has gone through this a lot because she started sort of late in life. She had a kid early, and then she started late in life that, like, getting into, like, cocktail culture and being treated like she was an idiot because she didn't know something that quite obviously the person who was treating her like shit at one point had to learn right that's what you don't get like what are you you can't just expect that everybody inherently knows everything and well and they don't you fucking learned it too like you know what i mean like like i i want there was a time in my life i can't remember what it was mostly because i'm old and drug addled but uh, (laughs) that i that i was taught how to make an manhattan and didn't know what the fuck it was either you know right it's like I, I just don't understand I don't know if this happens do you think this happens in all industries or is it specific to ours or maybe more heightened in ours where do you have this sort of like judgment cloud of people of grizzled veterans well I think like that you're always going to run into like egotistical or arrogant people and in, in like whichever walk of life you happen to go down however in this industry I think at least in North America and this is just like a thought process I could be completely wrong but I find that it's always kind of been looked down upon our industry. And I think that's why people feel the need to like really prove themselves. Right. Like Uh, I I learned this. I actually, this is something that's really difficult that you can't do. And like, you know, like I have acquired all of this knowledge and like, and almost like just, just because I work in this industry doesn't mean that I'm not fucking special. I'm fucking special. I know all this shit. Exactly. Exactly. That's interesting. I I don't think anyone's ever said anything like that here, but that's a very keen insight. Um, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, so at this point, you're starting to get the whole idea of make, making informing cocktails. Uh, you mentioned that you were, uh, you're really into tequila. Is that your favorite spirit? Oh, uh, it was when I was younger, but now I find there's like a trifecta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like bourbon, tequila, and gin are my absolute favorites. Right. So uh, bartend- bar- the bartender's holy trinity. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and what's your favorite cocktail? Oh, uh, probably a whiskey sour. Okay. Or a margarita. Yeah. Yeah. I can't choose. <laughs> or a gin and juice. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> or a Negroni. Uh, like yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I should have said Negroni. <laughs> um, uh, and is that? I know you've listened to the show before. Sometimes I like to ask people, "Do you have a Do you have a cocktail you like to test a bartender on?" Yeah, definitely actually a whiskey sour because then, I mean, I find that's the easiest one. It's like, are you using real egg whites or, or like bar lime to make it? Right. Or like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, it's funny. Um, even uh, at one of the bars I owned before, we just didn't want, we didn't have any cocktails that we made with egg whites on our own list and we're like fuck we're not gonna buy fucking egg whites just for whiskey sour we'll make it this way and bars mm-hmm. that worked at it have been have done that as well and then i just realized that's just horseshit because enough people but it was at a time where people weren't really ordering a lot of those so exactly you, you, so they go bad and like you go yeah. bad but now now there's no reason not to have egg whites right mm-hmm. actually aaron hatchell uh speaking of, as you mentioned him earlier he taught me um he had that like bar 
society that now I'm blanking because, of course, I'm on the spot and can't remember what it's called. Um, That's all right. People can go to the archives and listen to Aaron Hatchell's episode, and then he'll tell you what it was. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, But he actually showed me, he brought in dehydrated egg whites, and they work just as good. Oh, and yeah. that way, like, yeah, and then you don't have to worry about them going bad. It's oh, actually, that's an interesting thing to talk about, too. I, because I, I, um, look, I'm all into fresh juice, mm-hmm. but for Christ's sake, like, anyone who sat and had to juice limes over and over oh, yeah. again to make, like, one lime makes, like, a half millimeter half of juice. <laughs> if you're lucky, like. Yeah, and, and you're just getting carpal tunnel, and, like, the, I, can we just all admit that that the real lemon, real lime is just as fucking good and way less of a pain in the ass? Right? Or citric and, acid? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to make your own citric acid, like, that's sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, like, I don't understand. Like, at all these places that are still... And we were... I was guilty of it at the, one of the bars I own, but, like, then I just grew up and realized, fucking, like, this is silly. You're, yeah. you're wasting you're wasting so much time and money. Like, man And it hours. does go bad eventually, too. Like, if you have a slow yeah. couple of weeks, like, you're throwing that shit out. And, like, man, you busted your hands for nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, like, the expense, like, lime, citrus used to be cheap, but it's not like that anymore. And limes and lemons, like, going through... <laughs> Like, so many lines to get such a small amount of juice out of it. It's just not financially feasible anymore. No, not at all. Not at all. Post-COVID, right now, actually, what uh, I, I'm almost purveying just, like, putting water in with some green dye and calling right? it even. Sure, yeah. There you <laughs> go. I'm just kidding. We don't do that. <laughs> we don't know who does that. Um, <laughs> the, okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about... Um, so you learn all this at um, Taco Farm, and now you're kind of like... I don't know how to say this without sounding like a dickhead, so whatever. It's never stopped me before, not on this show, wherever. Let's like you're moving to a slightly um, upper class type of place in your in your career, Mm -hmm. Um, and is this when you get the job at Swine and Buy? Yeah, I actually. So I left Taco Farm to go traveling with uh, some girlfriends who, like, two of them actually worked with me and were my roommates as well. Um, And then another one was a friend of one of theirs. And we went and, like, backpacked around uh, Southeast Asia for three months. Um, And the only reason I got the job at Swine and Vine is I didn't know that Public was moving, which was the restaurant who was in that spot before. Um, so I pretty much got off a plane, had exhausted all of my savings uh, in Asia and was like, I need a fucking job. Mm. So I was like, I've always wanted to work at public. Like, why not? Let's give it a try and walk in. And and uh, it wasn't public anymore. And there was construction and stuff going on. And I just kind of started to like awkwardly back away like oh I'm so sorry I must be in the wrong spot uh and Jill's husband actually started running after me he's like oh wait wait are you uh looking for a restaurant job because my wife and I are actually opening a restaurant so I was like oh shit yeah okay and and Jill gave me like an impromptu uh interview right then and there and that's how I got the job so oh wow good yeah uh, I just want to backtrack a little bit. Uh, your experience in Asia did that? Uh, did that have any sort of influence on your style of bartending or serving? And did you learn anything over there? In more so, I went over there with the uh, want to try like everything. So mm. I, growing up, I was always like a really picky eater. I was one of those kids that like 
even if I was gonna eat french fries and dip them in ketchup if they were touching I'd like fucking not eat the ones that were touching so I was that <laughs> asshole child so I, um, I just really wanted to expand my uh, palate and and just what I was wanting to consume so I just started trying everything when I was over there um I wouldn't say it really helped the bartending thing because I was also backpacking and oh sorry my cat okay buddy um because I was backpacking and like living like cheaply so it was like Mm -hmm. I was surviving off of bon mis and tiger beer right yeah um but yeah I tried a lot of like weird shit man like Mm -hmm. and weird to me because I'm from here and have no culture <laughs> yeah <laughs> but <laughs> like not weird but, but it must have expanded your palate a little bit because you're, you're, you're opening your your um, senses to a whole bunch of new flavors right oh for sure flavors and textures um and like it was like even something as simple as shrimp like because they have like the shrimp and they eat them with the heads on mm. so which didn't freak me out it was when you pull the head off and you see all like the green I was like, oh no, but I forcibly made myself try it at least a couple of times. So, yeah. Yeah. What was was one of your favorite things to try it on the trip? Oh God. Um, A lot of them I don't even actually know what the hell for sure what it was. (laughs) Uh, Because then there's like the language gap too, right? So it just happens like if I'm lucky enough to run into somebody who can speak a decent amount of English. Um, But uh, they had a lot of good street meat um a lot of uh good pastries oddly enough that i i didn't oh, wow. think of uh i'm really kicking myself because i went to this night market once and i saw this scorpion on a stick and i really wanted to try it but i knew i wouldn't be able to eat all of it because like i don't know i, yeah. I just didn't believe <laughs> myself so i was like oh do you want to try it with all my girlfriends and they were like no and like one of them was vegetarian so it's like mm. she's like no yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah Oh, okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. And then, so you get the job at Swine and Vine, and now, uh, were you? You must have been one of their first employees then. Yeah, I think I. If I wasn't the first, I was like top two or three for sure. Okay. Yeah. And um, I mean, I personally know that Jill Sadler doesn't know what the fuck she's doing, so <laughs> <laughs> so she must have, she must have lucked up. I'm just kidding, Jill. You obviously do. Uh, <laughs> the, um. If you're listening, <laughs> she probably stopped listening after her episode. <laughs> um, okay, so I she saw something in you through that quick interview, um, yeah. And like, how quickly do you move up to like, be, like? And I know this sometimes at a small place like this, when when Jill's actually working there as well, she doesn't mm-hmm. always necessarily feel like she needs a manager. Because uh, right. she's kind of doing it herself, but, but a point, uh, there must have been some point where she took a step back and decided that she needed to, like to delegate some of this stuff and someone to help her do it, and that turned out to be you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, at first, obviously, like I feel like this would be with most places that that you just open, like you're not gonna give your baby to somebody, like your newborn to somebody to hold, right? Like she was there doing everything for quite a long time. Um, but yeah, eventually, I think six to nine months in, I was like promoted to like head server and then slowly up to manager and then, you know, like manager, but with now more managerial like, like mm. responsibility. It's like a slow growth kind of thing. And uh, 
uh, as it gets busier and we're doing more uh, offsites and caterings and, and kind of expanding the business too, like you just, there's only so much one person can do. Right. So I think mm-hmm. she started to realize like she couldn't do it all her own. Um, so yeah, that's where I lucked out and got promoted. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure there's no, that's never luck. Trust me. <laughs> as, someone, as someone who's promoted people as well, actually like the first place that I opened, I like, we just didn't think we needed a manager. We were going to be there all the time. We're working. And then as you realize what goes into bar ownership and how much of it, your time it sucks up, that's, that has nothing to do with on-floor service or whatever. You, mm-hmm. you start to realize, fuck, I just don't have time for all this shit. Like, I need somebody. And you also need someone you can trust when you're not around, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, if I had to, But you've been the managers that are there for some time now, so they obviously died feel like they made the right decision and they can trust you right so yeah they must like me a little bit i guess yeah i guess i don't know that's not that's not the rumor but (laughs) Um, so talk to me a little bit about how now first of all do they still have their all like all of these positions like head server manager or whatever or did you just kind of like i kind of amalgamated it i swooped in and i stole it all up yeah (laughs) Just sucked it in like a vortex. Yeah. It's all me. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. That's it now. You fucked them over because yeah, if, you, if yeah. you leave, the whole operation crumbles. Yeah, that's, that's it. I uh, I was smart. Now they can't get rid of me even if they want to. <laughs> that's right. Oh, Micah, you're so fucked. <laughs> um Okay, so talk to me a little bit about uh, the transition from being just like a straight server, bartender, whatever, to into the management role, and uh, like how you're how you adjusted to it. Um, I honestly feel like I'm still adjusting to it. Uh, it's definitely a, a learning curve. Luckily, I was a supervisor at the end of my time at Taco Farm, so I was kind of used to certain uh, responsibilities, like. I mean, closing up and like supervising a certain amount of people and like being in charge of making sure the reads added up, um, which was actually more intensive at Taco Farm than at Swine and Vine because there was just more staff. So mm-hmm. I'd have to sit down at the end of the night and go through like 10 reads and get pissed off if people didn't do it correctly. Because <laughs> I was like, fuck, now I'm here for another two hours. Um, but yeah, now it's just interesting. I, I like it because, uh, you know, I've been in the industry for like a decade. It was just a time, like I said, I like learning and changing, right? So uh, it was just time for, for me personally to change. Um, but it's nice because now I get to see more of the back end of stuff like like costing and like, you know, more of the, I get more time to cocktail create. Whereas before it was like you come in, you do your prep and your side work and, you know, serve your tables and that's it. Um yeah, and I, I like get to have more relationships with like brewers and you know wine producers and stuff like that, which is really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I think uh, like the first management job I got, I didn't really get all of those um, sort of bonuses or benefits, and now I'm trying to do that for like my managers. It's like, oh, it's like come be involved in the wine tastings, be involved in the. Uh, when a beer rep comes by like it's never mandatory but like if you really want to learn and also like exactly. what's better than having a wine rep come by and you get to taste wine with them let's <laughs> <Right. laughs> just come yeah. out and say it. you get to get drunk for uh, free it's, it's <laughs> very true 
I know. I always feel bad for the reps when they're all coming off the road and they have to spit everything out. But oh, I know. <laughs> Personally, I think it's blasphemy, but I understand why they do it. So yeah, Fair. Uh, yeah. And so, how many employees are you currently managing now? Like, well, or sorry, let's just let's talk pre-COVID because okay. yeah, I'm sure you've cut your staff back a little bit. Surprisingly, I had less staff pre-COVID than I do now. Oh, is that right? Is that because you yeah. have the expanded patio now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and just to like, we're, we're trying to expand the business. And uh, before I was doing all the stuff that like another server would do, right? So now that I'm managing, like, I need to have time to actually do my job. Um, mm. So we had to hire. Uh, plus, like, I guess, too, I have two guys that worked for me pre-COVID that uh, have, like, full-time jobs. One works in a lab in Guelph, and the other one's a brewer. So they have full-time jobs. They can work, like, once a week. Um, So that's also why we had to hire, like, I love them, but they're only around once once a week, so. Uh, Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit, because all bars and restaurants go through that, where it's just, like, sometimes you just need that person who can just fill in a shift here and there. But talk Mm -hmm. to me about a challenge. Like, what... How would, what is your ideal? Cause I really struggle with this. Like, what is your I, ideal of like, would you prefer all full timers or a full, a, a, a few full timers and a few part timers or a, maybe some casuals? Like what, what do you think is the best way to do it? And I know all, all the places are different. So let's just, let's uh, center this on swine and vine, for instance. Okay. Um, I I don't know. It's hard because sometimes I like the idea of being able to like piecemeal shifts um, just for like, like if somebody's sick, right? Like if I have a full timer, our, our um, normally pre-COVID, it was like we have 30 seats, right? So mm. if I have a full time, even two full time people, really only, I only need like two people usually to work or like two people in a bartender if it's really slamming, right? Um but like if one of them gets sick and like the other one, you know, also gets sick, I guess, I don't know, or something shitty happens, right. then like I'm fucked, right? Like, right. and if those part-time people ha- are at their other jobs, then like, what am I going to do? Yes. So that's the only downside I really see with full-timers. Um, but then with part-timers too, it's like, especially if they have other jobs or school, they don't want to work every Saturday, Sunday, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever, right? So I find that difficult or like they'll go on vacation or so like everybody has a life. Right. So mm-hmm. that's kind of difficult trying to piecemeal people together. Pros and cons of both for sure. Yeah. I, I really struggle with it because sometimes I'm like, okay, well like it's really almost person to person. Like if you have that casual occasional staff member that want, that is ready to work whenever that's mm-hmm. just, that's like the jackpot. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And luckily I've gotten a few people like right now that I can call and be like, Oh man, somebody called in and like, and they're like, sweet, I'm on my way. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 That, but, that, that, but those yeah. are rare. Those people are rare. Generally the people, cause I mean, just, if you look, I, it's a very, it's a big struggle because the scheduling aspect of it, if, if you're full time, and you do get sick or you want to take a vacation, like if you're in a small spot where you you want to have full-time hours for everybody, mm-hmm. but they also need to be able to get sick or take a vacation sometime or whatever, and then those exactly. hours need to be covered. And if you have part-timers, well, that means almost by definition, they're either in school 
or they have another job, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the, so they they're they're available for the hours you've given them, but often not many more. Exactly. Well, and two, you get into like a routine. I find at least I do with part timers, um, where like they are they know their the days or the times that they would expect to work. So they'll like make plans or appointments or something around it. And like, I get that. Like, I can't expect you to drop your life because, you know, my other server got sick or because I got sick or, you know, so it's, yeah, it is really interesting, especially with a small spot. Um, having five staff now, I really like it because it's more room to kind of play around. But mm-hmm. before when I was working with like two or three people, it was dicey a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. Like for me, I only really want to own small spots, but they're way harder to staff. If you have a bigger oh, yeah. spot, you can have so many staff and then you never really run into these difficulties, I don't think, or very rarely. No. Like, no, exactly. Where it happens all the time. Because it's like, there's nothing worse than these people who keep telling you that they want hours and want to work, but then... Oh, I know. And then you're like, oh, can you pick up a shift on a Saturday? And it's like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> or, they, or they take their fourth vacation in two months. And like, you know, <laughs> right? like, like I said, you wanted to fucking work. Like, <laughs> I, I did not hire additional people specifically because that's what you told me. Exactly. And now I'm yeah. just... I'm like suckered into this weird position. Yeah, and then you hire someone, they come back from vacation, they're like, I don't have any fucking shifts. I know, they're all <laughs> hurt all the time. It's like, damn it, I can't please everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, talk to me a little bit about um, treatment from guests. I know we're taking a hard right turn, but whatever. I'm just oh, trying okay. to get all this shit in. Um, the, so you've had some interesting experiences like with uh with guests and oh i fully had people tell me they're gonna get me fired <laughs> what are you doing to these people Paige? oh i don't know <laughs> apparently it's offensive something like i just uh no that's few and far between um these are like the ones that stick out uh very rarely happens especially at swine and vine i find that my guests are always normally very lovely it's so rare um but i mean i have had people get a little too toasty or like even come in a little too toasty and then mm. think that they should be treated like the queen of England for some goddamn reason. They don't mm-hmm. really understand why, but, um, yeah, I, I like, Oh God, I'm trying to think without being able to make it too obvious. Cause I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> I've had uh, people tell me that even though they agreed to a certain set menu, like Normally it's a la carte when you come in, but sometimes you can like request a a set menu and you agree to how much you're going to pay ahead of time. Right. Mm. Um, And I've had people like we specialize in charcuterie, but we also have like large plates and appetizers and stuff like that. I've had people agree to share this massive board between like 10 people before and then try and get me to refund them because they didn't decide to eat enough like I fully watched this one person not eat a single thing, just keep drinking and be like, oh, well, I didn't get enough to eat. Like, I don't think I should pay this. And I'm like, it was in front of you. What do you want me to do? Feed you? Like, mm-hmm. am I your keeper? I have shit to do, man. That's <laughs> not what you want me to do. I'm not a babysitter. So, and, and what do you think that is? Like, because obviously they agreed to the menu before they, they saw the menu. They agreed to it before mm-hmm. they showed up. And it's almost like people who order something it's well described in like for instance a cocktail that has a description underneath it about exactly what it is exactly the ingredients that are in it maybe you even if there's some that they don't understand you've described it to the guests 
and then they're like, oh, I don't like this. I don't want to pay for it. But then, but you've also eaten slash drank all of it. Yeah, that infuriates me. If like, if you have a sip or two, I will gladly make you another drink and take that off your bill. Like if you don't like it, you don't fucking like it. That's fine. You're not insulting me personally. I don't care. Uh, I want you to have a good time, right? And to enjoy yourself. But if you've eaten or drank three quarters of the thing and then try and get it taken off your bill, like, fuck you. Like those, you know, those, those quote unquote guest <coughs> customers, um, th- those people really are just trying to get shit for free, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's really weird because I think for some reason, I don't know if it's just in North America. Cause I don't know. I've heard other talks about how in Europe it's treated a lot better. Like or guests don't try and pull that shit very often, but I think it's a lot of like, like, we're, pretty, you know, we're pretty entitled in North America. Yeah, yeah. like you owe me, you know, yeah. like I'm here and you're supposed to wait hand and foot on me. And if you look at me the wrong way, then I get to complain and, you know, get something for free. And it's just such an odd, like, kind of social feeling. But I don't even want to say that because most of the people aren't like that, right? Like, right, most of the people aren't. We're only talking about a certain group of people and they're definitely yeah. the minority. But I will say this for the record, one of the worst statements that ever came out in any in any type of service is this idea that the customer is always right who came up with that idea that's it's it's (laughs) obvious it's obviously nonsense how can no how can anyone always be right exactly (laughs) like well except for you then (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i don't know it's the same concept with like I don't know, getting things uh, special on like special days for you. That yeah. I find is really interesting. It's like, I don't go to the car wash and expect to get a free car wash on my birthday. Like, I don't no. you know, or like going and get a pair of free, a free pair of sneakers or yeah, something. Yeah, we've, I know we've talked about that on the show before too. It's like, <laughs> I don't get it. Like, it's my birthday. What do you do for birthdays? And like, well, we Say opened. Happy birthday. Like, uh, you're here. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Maybe, why don't you talk to your fucking cheap friends and ask them <laughs> if they'd like to do something for you on your birthday, like buy you a shot. Right? <laughs> yeah. I can make you a killer shot. You still got to pay for it, though. Well, so. it's, that's crazy. I know. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of interesting to, I mean, that whole dynamic where um, with the with the customer and like, whether they like they've tried a little bit of it they don't like it okay let's talk about a little about this this is where my brain was going sorry it took me a while to get there but i'm not that okay. um that if you're in the moment with a customer and somebody because i've had bartenders feel like too bad you've ordered the cocktail it was there was a description of it on the menu Mm-hmm. it's not my fault that when you got it, you didn't like it. You still should pay for it. Like, what is your feeling about this? Do you, are, do you feel like a couple sips is good and then it should be a replacement? Cause I know you said you want the guests to have a good time or mm-hmm. is there, or is some of the onus on the server bartender to say like, okay, this is what this is going to taste like. Do you like these flavors? Like, Right. Um, oh, that's hard. Cause like, there are certain things like, like a Pinot Grigio or like, you know, a, a, something like so mainstream, I guess around here, at least that like people should know what it tastes like. You generally expect them to know what they're getting. Right. Yes. Um, whereas like if you're experimenting with really cool shit that like you don't see around a lot, then like, 
the the server bartender maybe should be like okay it's it's this or like if it's not obviously going to be spicy maybe be like oh it's really spicy are you cool with spice like you know like if they don't tell you about things that like maybe shouldn't be expected for you to know that's a hard one though like I don't know I go back and forth. It's a fine line, right? Like if they, if if you've written the description on the menu and they order it, but they don't like, they don't ask you about it. They just say, this is what I want. Yeah. Then it's it's kind of on them. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe read, take like two seconds and read. Right. But if they're like, Oh, is this sweet or is this not sweet? And like, and you're not really describing it because I, I guess as a guest also, like if I'm a guest in a, you know, bar or restaurant, I don't want to be condescended to either where I'm just like, where I'm like, this is what I want. And they're like, oh, but it's not sweet. Just so you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's such a weird fine line. You got to really know how to talk to people and, uh, and not be rude. Even if you probably don't mean to be, it's like, I don't know. It's, that's a difficult one. I find it's like a case to case basis, to be honest. And how much do you feel like tone of voice goes into this? So much. That's something that I I really have to work on because I find when I'm uh, interacting with people, especially in the industry, I've had a lot of people act actually condescending to me mm-hmm. and uh, pretty much just like think that you're uneducated and you're doing this just because it's the only thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And to that, I have to say, you try and do it. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. It's not as easy as you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's where I have to like take a breath and remember that like you got to kill them with kindness, you know, like just because like it's they want you to react a certain way. Right. Mm. Like some people are trying to push your buttons and make you do something so they can get shit for free or so they can like like and again, very few and far between people do this. But yeah, we're talking, we're talking about the worst of the worst. Like just I yeah. think we, we, we can all agree that we all love our guests in general. Exactly. Um, But I do find some people come in and they want to use a human punching bag and think that a Mm. server is the perfect person because they can't say anything to you because they'll get fired. And to that, I have to say that's not correct. I can say what I want to you as long as I do it in a certain way, Um, which is when I got that person telling me they were going to get me fired because they were so egregious to me that I started laughing in their face. (laughs) <laughs> and they didn't like that so yeah. i don't know it's a weird fine line in a weird way the masks help now so much <laughs> so much at first i hated them and then i realized that all i have to do is move my eyes slightly and people think that i'm smiling even if i'm making a face so yeah yeah i know <laughs> uh and also I, I like look this is a weird question to ask so i'm just gonna ask it hmm. whatever we're on a podcast we've been drinking Um, the do you find how do you feel about as an attractive woman in the industry well thank you oh you're 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 very welcome i think it's why you should be thanking your parents but (laughs) (laughs) um if you're now that like you have to wear a mask Mm -hmm. what are the pluses and minuses of that because i like Part of it must be, I know, good-looking women get tipped higher. Yeah, be- yeah. Right? I think that's just a fact. I don't it think that's sexist to say. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know. He tips them less. He tips them less. <laughs> Tip. 
Are you Steve Buscemi? Come on. He's got more hair than I do. That's very different. So, talk to me about the pros and cons of this mask wearing shit because as a, an attractive woman, you probably make a higher tip percentage just based on that sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just the it's not sexist to say. It's, it's, not it is, yeah. it's just it, that's the business. Um, or is it more beneficial sometimes because they can't see your expression when they're acting like a fucking idiot? <laughs> so uh, I feel like I'm not maybe in the best position actually to answer this because pretty much after I came back uh, to work, I got my manager position. And I don't really serve anymore. Oh. Um, I like I'll bartend, um, but I'm not like I get tipped out by my staff sometimes if it's okay then i'll get like a percent of sales or whatever but um no i find it's nicer for me personally because then i'm like i don't have to put on makeup this is fantastic (laughs) (laughs) yeah i find the same for me right (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah and then honestly we actually have more male servers now than we do female servers so Mm. i hope you go there anytime soon (laughs) (laughs) They're still very attractive male servers. So <laughs> come to well, no, but nobody can tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, we have a really good imagination. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, in a weird way, like, this is going to sound so strange and uh, whatever. We're just talking here. Um, yeah. I wonder if it's going to up people's service game who just relied on their looks for a long time. You know what? Maybe. Um I find that at least at Swine, it was a lot of, like, we put a lot of emphasis on good service and really mm. good habits for the most part. Um, but at places like maybe sports bars and stuff like that, then, like, yeah. they'll have to, right? Like, it's not just your face that's selling or, like, that's making you that 15, that, you know, solid 15% or, like, it's it would be interesting to see for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting situation. I've talked to my wife about this as well, who's very attractive, and she's like, uh, she's like, oh, it's so weird now. Like, I have a mask on. Like, and I like I even caught her. I'm like, why are you even doing this bottom half of your makeup? Like, before you go to work, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, habitual. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. and um, and she's like, yeah, it's like, what's it like? You know, because she knows, like, she's. Like, she's a very good server, and that's where she makes most of her tips. But there is that quality of it, and I think she knows it as well as, like, many women know it, uh, and men as well, like, attractive men as well. But, like, uh, the mask kind of takes that whole equation out of it almost. It does. I actually, so there are those, I feel like that might be the only pro to those, um, like, shield masks. Yeah. So they're like clear. For me, I couldn't stand them because like they just kept coming down my face, and then I have to touch it all the time. Um, mm. But actually, speaking of Kiprios, who's our our neighbor, she actually came over the other day and showed me these masks she got on Amazon that go around the bottom of it, but like it's clear, so you can see your whole face. Oh, I see. So it's like yeah. clear plastic, kind of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe we'll start seeing more of a switch to that because I mean I don't see them going away anytime soon. So. I'm sticking with the ones where they can't see my face because then it really, uh, I can really elaborate on my distaste for people with my face. Without knowing. If they can can get something that stopped the eyes from rolling. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Then you'd be golden. Money, money, all the tips. 
<laughs> but at the same time, maybe people should be aware that they're being a dick sometimes. Oh, sometimes they should. But the, but the thing is, like, all these people, they never know. Like, I don't know. Like, they just, the people who are dicks don't realize that they're being dicks. No, right? like, that, like Well, I hope just, not. Because then yeah, you're just a, like, what? sociopath or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, that, 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 I mean, that level of fucking, like, mistreatment, too. And I, and I get, like, here's the thing about this interaction that we have with the guests is that if we're in a bad mood and we've had a terrible day, mm-hmm. we have to fucking suck that in. Yeah, man, you need to eat it. Put on your frozen smile and just, like, go about your day. Yeah. Uh, whereas the guest, if they're in a fucking terrible mood... They can just take it out on you. Yeah. It's totally acceptable. And the yeah. thing too, I think that a lot of people don't know unless you've worked in the industry is like, you don't have to just show up and, and deal with other people's shit, even though like, you know, I've had people come into work after a breakup, after a family member died, after their cat died, like, with you know, like with really hard emotional circumstances and they come into work and stuff and they're not just coming in for like four hours. Sometimes they come in for like a 16 hour shift with like hardly any fucking breaks and you run off your feet and, you know, and it's just like, maybe take some time and think about what the person on the other side is going through before you decide to be a complete dickhole to them for like two seconds. Cause that does add up. Like I've seen people go to the walk-in and cry. Yeah. <laughs> I've been uh, one of them. <laughs> so like, I mean, this is a, a slightly niche uh, podcast. So I feel like a lot of the people who listen to it are not in the service industry, but mm-hmm. if you are not like, um, sorry, a lot of the people who listen to it are in the service industry. Right. Um, uh, it, but if you are not in the service industry and you're listening to this at all, like just recognize that the people who are coming to your table, they're just doing their job and they're also human beings. Like, and what, like you might be having a shit day. You might have an idea of the level of service that you're, you expect at a certain place. Hey, there's, there's a way to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, we're all, we're still in tip culture right now. If you think you got shitty service, you can still be a nice human being to the person and recognize that maybe that person's having a bad day. Just tip mm-hmm. them less. That's what we, if you give exactly. somebody shit service, that's what you earn. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and conversely, like it, it's <laughs> lack of tipping is not a way for you to make your bill cheaper. <laughs> no, I can't stand that. And I've honestly heard people say that. And, and that's something I've always been taught. Like, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out and eat. Like, right. you pretty much like if you don't feel that you got good service, then tip less. Now, something I do want to say on that note, though, is like, re- if you're going to tip zero, like really, like they must have personally like fucking really done something offensive to you. Because I don't think a lot of people realize like you have to tip out a percentage of your sales. So mm. like if you tip zero, let's say, right, right. to this person who did shitty service to you they're paying for you to sit there and eat at that that's point. right yeah i think people don't realize that like service tip out to the kitchen and to often to the busters and, the and whatever the bartender yeah and sometimes the- sometimes it's a business depending on where yeah. you work right so yeah. yeah so if you tip like really nothing or next to nothing then you've essentially had the server pick up part of your meal yeah which- and servers don't make a lot of money like it's what is it right now Twelve twenty. yeah is the is the uh, server's wage so like you want me to age myself sorry you want me to age myself right now you know what it was when i started what 350 
Shit. No, mine was, uh, I think, 680. Oh. <laughs> well, see? Holy You're what we call an elite. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish the tra trickle-down economics should have worked in reverse. And that would have helped. Holy shit. That's yeah, so it was three, my first serving job. It was three fifty an hour. Um, uh, Buck seventy five too much, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Probably at my level, but uh, but uh, yeah, but that, but that, but then that's what people don't realize. Like the way we make a living is through tips, and uh, it's funny you're talking to servers, and it's like. For, for me, I'll be like, oh, man, that fucking service. Because like, we know we're servers. Yeah. We know when when service is actually terrible. But I think, oh, we, sure. I think we also might be um, a little more sympathetic that somebody might just be having an off day or a bad day or whatever. Um, and, and so I am that way. But I also know when I'm getting terrible service. So I'll be like, oh, fuck, that service was terrible. I'm only yeah. going to tip 20%. Right? I know. I'm always like 20, 25 is my like thing. Like you'll have to be really shitty to get like 15 or 10 out of me. Like, yeah. People have pretty much had to call me a bitch to my face. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least directly to your mask. Right? <laughs> uh, well, Paige, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap things up or? Uh, no, I think... Uh, just thanks for having me on. And, no, it was uh, great. And, I, and uh, we should give a shout out to Paige to, um, for essentially saving us. We had somebody ghost on us for the first time for the podcast on this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for doing this on short oh, notice. Yeah. Uh, and once again, if you are enjoyed listening to this shit and you want to get on the show yourself uh, at the Industry Podcast, um, and what, at Swine and Vine for... Yeah, yeah, come visit Swine and Vine. Okay. Doing some fun stuff, so... All right, thanks, Paige, that was fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Yeah.